Welcome back to the Leroy UMC podcast. We are so glad you're joining us. This is our second week of Advent, and we're continuing the series titled Keep the Light On. I wanted to open with a few quotes about light. The first from William Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice. How far that little candle throws his beams, so shines a good deed in a weary world. And then this great quote from Edward Teller. When you get to the end of all the light you know, and it's time to step into darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things shall happen. Either you will be given something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias to learn more about keeping the light on. (laughs) But friends, this morning, as it is the season of light, we are continuing with our series on keeping the light on. Uh, Last week, we looked at the uh, announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, and this morning, we are continuing that story uh, with two scripture readings, one from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 to 79, and the second from the Gospel of John, verses 1, or chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Uh, So our first uh, reading, it is a little bit of a long one, but a very beautiful story. So friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives have this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And all of them were amazed. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was freed. He began to speak, praising God. And fear and awe came over all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then will this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and has redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors, has remembered his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. And friends, from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Before people had Christmas lights, and before we were able to turn our Christmas trees into virtual burning bushes with the flip of a switch, and before we had to watch our language as we searched for that one light that was out and needs to be replaced. There's always one. Before we had Christmas lights, the very first Christmas trees were lit with candles. People first started using Christmas trees as early as the late 1500s in Germany and France and using them not as leftovers from pagan holidays or pagan traditions. That's a myth that sometimes gets circulated around the internet, but the Christmas tree was originally meant to symbolize the tree of life. You would bring a tree into your home and the whole family would decorate it with candied food or with little paper, paper and wooden ornaments. And then it quickly became customary to start attaching little candles to the tree with clips or with wax to symbolize not just the tree of life, but the light of life that is born this season. There's always a very special moment when those candles were lit. Candles were very expensive at the time. You could only light it on rare occasions. Not to mention the danger of having lit candles on a pine tree meant that you really needed several people there watching to make sure nothing caught fire. It was a very special but a very high stakes way to celebrate Christmas. But the whole family would gather together, every generation, the young and the old. Everyone would feel a certain anticipation and excitement. They may not have had electricity, but there was energy in the air. And one by one, very gently, very carefully, as those candles would be lit, the dark tree would start to glow and light up the room. It was a wonder to see. It was like magic for people who lived in a world that still got very, very dark at night. So long as those candles were lit, Christmas was a season of pure, radiant, holy light in an often pitch black world. However, the challenge was that they could never keep the light on. The candles would never last forever, and the fire hazard was always too great. It was a magic light that they wanted to see. It was a holy light that they needed to feel in a difficult winter, but sometimes, sometimes the hardest thing to do at Christmas is to keep the light on. 
after centuries of this, after years and years of only being able to see the light of Christmas for a few brief magic moments on rare occasions, in the 1880s, a man named Edward Johnson, an associate of a fancy inventor named Thomas Edison, figured out a new way to light up everyone's Christmas trees that wasn't just safer, but incredibly a way that allowed people to keep that light on and on and on almost as long as they wanted. Johnson's very first electric Christmas lights had bulbs the size of walnuts, and you only had eight lights on a strand, but they worked, and they could light up a room. But Johnson faced a problem, namely people didn't know about them. Electricity was still pretty new, and people didn't know how this worked. They were very cautious in the 1880s. So one Christmas in 1882, Johnson had an idea. He set up a massive Christmas tree in his house right on Fifth Avenue in the heart of New York City. He wired it with 80 of his new Christmas lights, and then he lit it up as a blazing tree for everybody passing by on that busy street to see. And over time, little by little, person by person, newspaper by newspaper, story by story, word about this Christmas light that you could keep on spread. Until as the years passed, home by home, people everywhere began to find that magic holy Christmas light that they could always keep on in the dark. And it all started with one person who didn't just find a new way to keep the light on in the dark, but who was willing to share it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, Scripture tells us, and John the Baptist was born to share it. Now, typically, I think John the Baptist always gets forgotten at Christmas time. Jesus gets all the attention at Christmas with nativity scenes and Christmas carols, even the little drummer boy. It's always about Jesus to the point that people sometimes forget there were two miraculous births at Christmas, and Jesus wasn't actually the first, John was. Not only is John's birth miraculous, but there is actually a miracle the moment John is born. His father, Zechariah, had lost the ability to speak and to communicate when the angel shared the news with him at the temple, as we heard about last week. But now, when John is born, as Luke tells us, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was freed. And as if a miracle wasn't enough, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up. Decades before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit of God fills Zechariah, and in one of the most beautiful and poetic passages in the Christmas story, Zechariah holds his newborn child and gives a prophecy as he says what his child is going to become, what his life is going to mean. You my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. 
You will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people, for by the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. The light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and John the Baptist was born as a witness to the light. And yes, I know that today when we hear the word witness, we might be tempted to think about that one really frustrating week when we had to serve on jury duty waiting for someone to tell us we could go home. But being a witness was a very special thing in the Gospels. It was a very sacred role. More than just telling people something, to be a witness in Scripture means to think very carefully about what truly matters in this life and what is only a temporary distraction. To be a witness means to not only find those things that give the light of life in the darkness, but to make your legacy in all the little ways you give that light to the ones who need to see it. To be a witness is to know that Grace, forgiveness, mercy, and compassion, these are not just happy thoughts that we talk about. They are realities that bring life while petty politics and podcast judgments and angry news throws more dark on an already dark world. And to be a witness is to choose to point out that light rather than add to that dark. In Scripture, God's witnesses are people like John, like Mary, like the woman at the well, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are people who stand in the middle of a deeply broken world and in the middle of deeply broken lives and defiantly raise their finger and their voice and say, that is the light that won't go out is what matters. That is what I need. That is what you need. And there it is. There's a famous story about how the great theologian Karl Barth wrote tremendous bestseller books while sitting underneath a painting by Matthias Gunwald that hung above his desk which showed Christ on the cross and John the Baptist standing just to the right side of the cross with a single finger raised, pointing at Jesus. And Bart used to say that he kept that painting hanging above his desk as a constant reminder that everything he wrote and everything that he did was supposed to point to the light of life he had found. It was a reminder that no matter how high he rose or what accomplishments he achieved or who he became, in the end, he was supposed to be like John, pointing everyone he loved and met not towards himself, but towards the one who gave his life meaning. And maybe more than anything, maybe that painting, that image of just pointing sums it all up better than I ever could. We cannot always save the day. We cannot always 
fix all the pain that we see. We cannot always drive out all the dark in other people's lives. We are not the light that can always be kept on. Sometimes we are like candles. But the good news is, like John, we get to point to the one who can save, who can heal, who can drive out every dark, and who is the light that never goes out. That, I think, is the good news beneath John the Baptist's forgotten Christmas story. Christmas is the season when we gather together, not just around a Christmas tree, but around a cross and around a manger to see the magic of that light that never goes out in the dark and to raise our voice to point and say like excited children, that's it. That's what hope looks like. That's healing. That's peace. That's the light that lights the whole world and give light to everyone and best of all that's the light we don't just get to see for a few brief moments while the candles are lit no that's the light we get to see whenever we need it in any darkness the child born to us this season is the light that is always there for us because it is the light of life that we can keep on in any dark night. That's what our Christmas trees covered with Edward Johnson's fancy electric light bulb symbolizes. The tree isn't just a symbol of the tree of life, but of the light of life that never goes out and that we keep on and on. Not only is it true light that is there for us, more than that, it's light we get to share. We get to stand by the manger of hope and point. We get to light up our own lives like blazing Christmas trees on Fifth Avenue for everyone walking by to see. We get to be that one person who doesn't just find a way to keep the light on, but to share it and to change everything in time. This is the season when we all share in John the Baptist's calling to go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to point to the dawn from on high that is about to give light to those who sit in darkness. That is what we get to do every Christmas. We get to remind ourselves of the light we have found that never goes out, and we get to share that light with someone who might desperately need a little light in their life. This is a season when we all get to be John the Baptist, when we all get to keep the Christmas light on. The only question is, how will you share that light we have found in the darkness. Will you take a chance and strike up a conversation with that person who might need to hear good news? Will you step up and serve, give, to try something new that makes the light of Christmas real in some way? How will you witness to the light we have found in a world 
full of people who still sit in the shadow waiting for the dawn. Sometimes the hardest thing to do at Christmas is to keep the light on. But the true light that gives light to everyone is coming into the world. And as our glowing Christmas trees remind us, and as John the Baptist tells us, sometimes all it takes to keep the light on person who's willing to share it. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Lord, in this season we gather around the tree of life. We come to the manger, we look to the cross, and we wait with hope to see the light of life. Christ Jesus, you are the light we long for, the light we need and search for. You are the light that is always on in the dark, and we beg you to point us back to that light in this season. Lord, let us feel the healing glow that is there for us and the joyful brightness that makes us children again. And not just us, Lord, but help us to be like John. Let us turn to our friends, our neighbors, our loved ones. Let us turn to everyone and share the light we have found. Lord, in this season, let us gather around our lit up tree of life and let us behold the light of life that we get to make our own and reflect to others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, again, we wanna say thank you for joining us this week. I hope you have a great week. Be safe and blessed. Go in peace.